Yeah, I went to the Brooklyn Nets home opener. Oh, so depressing. Well, yeah, I mean, Lynn. Uh, yeah. But even without him, it's just because the Brooklyn Nets aren't a thing. And, no, they're not yet. They're not yet. And they're trying so hard. They're trying really hard. I think the <laughs> arena was, generously speaking, maybe like 60, maybe 70% full. And then uh, the the MC was like, what's up, Brooklyn? And you can just tell the marketing people were thinking, oh, yeah, what's cool these days? Brooklyn's cool. Uh, so, you know, we got to <laughs> appeal to all the hip people there. But, you know, the, the Knicks, like the New York's, it's like in an abusive relationship with the Knicks. Like the Knicks just will abuse the city again just... and again and again. And the city, for some <laughs> reason, will still care and... Well, yeah, I mean, the Knicks just have a built-in fan base that no matter how much they fuck up and how bad they are and how dysfunctional they are, people are going to go. It's just awful because there's no incentive for them to actually get any better. Like with the Yankees, at least they try. It's like the organization wants to win, you know, even though there's a similar built-in fan base, like the Yankees still try. The Knicks just don't try. They gave up. I just realized the Yankees didn't make the World Series. It happened so quickly. Yeah. Yeah, it was a disappointing game on Saturday, but you know what? Like we're all we're a young team. It's gonna, they're gonna come back. Yeah, maybe this will get motivate them to get Shohei Otani, and I might care about baseball. Oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. All right. We'll so see. is this the part where the podcast music comes in? Erskine from Planet. Blah blah blah. blah. <laughs> <laughs> those are cool, by the way. I love those intros. Yeah, those intros are cool. Escape from Planet A. Be yourself. Don't be nervous. Oh. So this is Oxford, and I'm here with Mark Sejong. How you guys doing? And welcome to the Plan A podcast, Escape from Plan A. And so this, uh, we wanted to start off the first episode of just like a like a sub series within the podcast, and this will focus mainly on kind of like dating with regards to Asian guys. We just thought this was important because there's just a lot of bad shit out there, which there is. Which uh, it it goes into the extremes. On one hand, you got like the like the PUA seminar crap, which is mm-hmm. which is no good. And then on the other extreme, you've got the complete head in the sand people. Just be yourself. Like it, it like yeah. love is yeah. colorblind. It'll, it'll happen. <laughs> it'll happen. You just gotta wait. <laughs> I spoke about this in another podcast I did with Eliza, but I think something that's really lacking within the Asian American community, especially with Asian guys, is just this kind of. Like maybe like older guys who are, who are still doing this, it's some kind of conversation, especially with younger people, because yeah. as I said, our our dads really couldn't do this for us. Well, like I mean, you're adopted, so maybe maybe your experience is different. But with I think my my dad and a lot of other kind of like second gener- generation Asian American kids, their parents don't really have this conversation with them. And maybe if you're lucky, you have kind of like an older right. brother. I never did, so I had to face all this on my own. And I think what's really lacking is just this kind of like casual conversation. Like, we're not here to give you advice. It's like neither Mark nor I will sell ourselves as some kind of like experts. Like, 
like, yeah, neither one of us. Tucker Max douchebags, <laughs> yeah. or no, I absolutely mean, <laughs> not. But I think if we just just tell us tell people just like our background and things we've gone through, and I'm just thinking when when I was maybe like in my late teens, early twenties, if if I just had things I could listen to from guys who are a little bit older who had gone through yeah some of those things yeah. that would have been so helpful and like entertaining as well. Yeah, I mean, but like you know real advice no bullshit yeah like no no tricks and shit like that yeah and and no like creepy kiss and tell remember those uh those Asheville uh, the waking life coffee guys no i don't i don't remember that okay so this was a big story maybe a couple of years ago there were a couple of guys who ran a coffee house in Asheville, north carolina and they kept a blog and podcast in which they would just ah uh, much... yes that's right yeah no i <laughs> I, I, I heard about that peripherally but, yeah, just, I didn't get. Yeah, it's a yeah. horrible, horrible story. And actually, I I uh, quoted one of the guys in one of in my alt right article because he just. If you want to cringe and just throw up in an interview, go read this article in New York Magazine called "From Pickup Artist to Pariah," in which uh, this person interviews one of God. one of the guys. It's just such a horrible, horrible interview. Um, just the things he says and that mentality. No, we are not here to do that kind of shit. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. I mean, it, there's a way to do it normal, to be a normal person, right? Mm-hmm. And, and not be a creep with like techniques and trying to flow chart your life. And then, you know, there, there, but also you have to do some things differently or you might need to think differently and you actually have to take action, right? You can't just read about it and hope and wish but you're right i i feel like if someone had just talked to me and said look this is the advice i'd give you or you know it's not just going to be if you're nice enough and you wait long enough you're going to you know find the girl of your dreams like you just ha- you have to go for it mm-hmm. um, that kind of advice would have been so so helpful when i was you know 18 19 20 years old yeah and and it's so. it's not like there's no advice out there but it's also it's pretty much the advice out there is assume that you're a white guy and that's that too that too yeah and the thing is like newsflash the rules are different and i think just establishing that baseline like there, the rules are different for like white and non-white but i think especially for asian you have to there's like a particular set of experiences and things that you'll go through that if you're warned and told about it beforehand you can right. deal with it a lot it. better yeah exactly uh, because i think at least Speaking from my personal experience, a lot of when you're younger, a lot of the times when you experience it, you'll constantly be asking yourself, am I crazy? Am I just yeah, seeing yeah. things? That's what you'll tell yourself if you don't have someone telling you, you know what? Like you're not crazy. Kind of, <laughs> like the, like someone has to tell you the game's kind of rigged. It's not so rigged mm-hmm. that it's absolutely impossible for you. But no, of course not. Just like know when things like learn to recognize patterns so you don't you don't just beat yourself up. Exactly. Or, or drive yourself insane, just like second guessing yeah. yourself and things like that. Um, and I do think a lot of Asian guys are embarrassed to talk about this because... Oh, definitely. Definitely. And, yeah. And look, like for all the people out there, for like all you guys out there saying, oh, yeah, I have never no problems, like all, like, like all that. People from everyone from like male models to like leading man actors to athletes have all confirmed that this is real. So like, please, like right. stop fronting. It's okay. Exactly. You can admit. <laughs> okay. No, none of us. You know. You know. We'd be the last people to say you're crazy, right? Yeah. So we've all experienced it, and I think most Asian men would, when they're being honest, admit that as well. Yeah, and it's it's. I think we have to stress. It's not about your own personal failings, because that's how that's how they'll try to or like the system or whatever yeah. you want to call it. That's how they'll try to justify. It. They'll be like, oh, it's all on you and whatever. 
I mean, I'm not going to, it's not like it's completely, there's, it's not, I don't want to sound defeatist. Like there's absolutely nothing you can do because everything's stacked against you because there are ways to overcome it, but it's helpful to realize that, you know, you're, you're like running a race with ankle weights. If you like out of starting blocks, if you're a little slower than everyone else, it's not because you're out of shape or, uh, I mean, like I'm figuratively speaking, like you're in the, the Olympics or whatever. It's <laughs> not because you're, you're in, like physically inferior to everyone else and not because you didn't train as hard, whatever. It's like, that's just, no, the there way are real, there, yeah, there are real disadvantages that are built into our social, the, the fabric of social life in America. Yeah. Definitely. And, and it's a fine balance between recognizing that and letting others know that this is real so that they don't beat themselves up over it, but also yeah. not getting so yeah. consumed that you don't even try and you just become hopeless and bitter and resentful. It's, right. it's and a that, fine and balance. That's, yeah, that is. And, and it's a hard balancing act, I think, especially if you're a younger guy who doesn't have a lot of experiences to draw on. Exactly. Or a large social network of other you know, Asian men in your life uh, yeah, so, that can sort of pick you up. Yeah, so that's what we're here to try to that's do. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, so Mark, if you can get us starting off, like, I guess how how would you describe your just like, like the my development? Of, or yeah, like, just like when, when did you start asking girls out? When it's like yeah, just <laughs> whatever. I, I, I would say that I'm probably a, like a late bloomer, right? I think um, you know I was as as you mentioned earlier, Oxford. I was adopted into a white family, and. My dad was one of those like naturals where he never really had to think about any of this stuff. Like he just never was nervous around women. Like he had success early and like we would have, the, you know, you have the birds and the bees talk and then you talk about girls and everything. But like he he, he wasn't like equipped to like give me advice on, on any on it. Right. It was just mm-hmm. sort of like, oh, just just be yourself. And, here, <laughs> I, you know, he, he was and he meant it in a good way because he was like, he liked me. He's like, you're a good guy. And he never had to think about it himself. He was just himself and it worked. So like he, that that's sort of where it came from. And I think, you know, I never really asked anyone out in high school. You know, I didn't have a girlfriend. You know, I didn't really have like, I don't think I ever had a girlfriend, girlfriend until college. Even even after that, like it took me a while. You know, I, I, was, coming ag- I was coming up against those barriers as an Asian guy in, you know, in America and, you know, I would try, I would try telling my parents about it and they would be like, what are you talking about? And, it, you know, they, they weren't, you know, they didn't believe me. I see. So, it, yeah. So it was really, it was difficult. But, you know, as I got older and I hung out with more Asian dudes and just, you know, different, different crowd out of college and, you know, working and everything, it got, it got better over time. But you know, I I wouldn't I wouldn't say that I'm a, you know, I, I'm I'm a Don Juan, but you know, over over the years you get better at it, and you know, you 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 have friends and you talk about it, and so that's sort of like you know my dating very high level dating history. Um, yeah, I was I was a late bloomer. Yeah, and just for just for clarification, because I think one of the most pervasive stereotypes about Asian guys is we are very narrow minded in terms of. Like what ethnicity right. or race would you like when when you're talking about dating history? Like what were your interests? Like totally open minded, or did you like? Yeah, I mean, it? yeah. So like you know, I grew up in a you know in, in a town where it was mainly white white people. Mm-hmm. So you know, I, I I had crushes on girls of you know white girls, uh, you know all types of of women. So it wasn't like there was the one Asian girl 
in the in the school that I just you know I had I had the longest cru- I had the crush for the longest time on this white girl in mm-hmm. you know, my high school that we, I see. we grew up when we grew up together and everything and you know and and in college the same thing you know I, I liked everybody so it it I wasn't self limiting in that respect yeah I mean in my everything from say like a hookup to a serious relationship I've been involved with I think pretty much every like ethnicity slash racial group except Middle Eastern and that's not because like lack of trying <laughs> actually like right. the first the first first girl I asked out in college was Middle Eastern and well based on what I just said it didn't end up end up too well <laughs> <laughs> you tried uh, though you tried yeah I tried um yeah and I think that's going forward I think for a lot of Asian guys that's one of the most I think persistently annoying stereotypes. Yeah, but also ones that I think we could do a better job of just demolishing. Although that's not to say that we should ever devalue Asian women. Oh, absolutely not. That, absolutely. That's not definitely not what we're trying to do. But I mean, let's be honest. What what's effectively happening in the Asian American community is there's a there's kind of like a de facto gender imbalance mm-hmm. because you have Asian women who have a lot more options to go outside the group. Asian men currently, maybe not as much. That yeah. what, what yeah, that yeah. means is there are kind of like more men than women. And like, look, like wars have started because of that. Um, they have, they actual have, wars. <laughs> so it, this is not some lighthearted manner. I think that's what some people try to dismiss it as like, oh, stop thinking with your dick. And like to an extent, that's true. Like if your only involvement or interest in kind of like social justice and all that is trying to get mm-hmm. laid on the weekend then yeah that's that's sick that's yeah i mean good. it's gonna it, yeah, yeah yeah exactly it's but it's this is a major hard. major area of concern and i think like like whenever other people do it we, we treat it with legitimacy like for example if if say minority men in the gay community complain about it we're mm-hmm. like oh yeah mm-hmm. well, well like that that's terrible um if like say black women complain about it we also listen to them but for right, some reason, right. well, I say for some reason, I know kind of the reason, <laughs> but <laughs> when Asian men complain about it, it's it's derided as stop whining. It's not really important. Like, like you in don't the big own, scheme you of don't things, own Asian women. Like, yeah, stop being but, a misogynist. Yeah. Like when you think about it, this affects pretty much every single like whether gay or straight. Like if you're gay, like gay it Asian does. men, yeah. uh, so pretty much go through the same thing, and they're and i think that's why we need to hear more from them and that's why i get so pissed off when like homophobic straight asian guys like get pissed yeah. off when when gay asian guys try to join in the conversation it's the exact same thing it's like it devaluation is. It is. of asian maleness but uh, uh, yeah for sure for but sure as i was saying oh, what was i saying uh oh yeah I, I say it's important because let's say like what's what are the other important things generally in, in terms of like racial justice like employment or like the bamboo ceiling like that, yeah that's sure, very important bamboo but, ceil- yeah yeah but bamboo ceiling also has a very kind of elitist corporatist element because you're, you're concerned about making law firm partner or like like ceo or something that affects right, a very partner, yeah. small percentage in the big scheme of things of Asian right. Americans. But dating, dating, dating that's everybody. everybody, gay, straight, whatever, like pansexual. <laughs> well, because let's, yeah, because let's be honest, right? Like finding a, you know, finding a partner, finding love or is a big part of happiness. It's, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a elemental human need. Yeah. And so I, I always find it fascinating uh, because I'm looking for the ulterior motive when someone tries to delegitimize uh, the complaints about it. 
from Asian men or just for, and from, from, from straight Asian men, from gay Asian men, uh, from black women, etc. Mm-hmm. There's always got to be some ulterior motive for people like silencing uh, the conversation because there's no, it's not a mystery why the conversation and, and the topic comes up again and again, because it's so important uh, just as humans. Mm-hmm. So you know it's fascinating when 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 the when they try to gaslight you about oh all the different reasons they give to try to silence you. We're we're here to try to yeah o- open the conversation because it's really really important. Yeah, and I don't think it's that hard to figure out why they want to gaslight you. Oh like, no, there's no. certain people <laughs> who really like the status quo and they don't want to change it. It benefits them to have us. It's, it's essentially a eunuch class poses no threat to the social order. Um, I guess I could talk a bit about my own history. Sure. I think the big thing about me is that in in like middle of high school, I switched to an all boys school. <laughs> oh wow! Okay. So the thing is, growing up in elementary school, it, it was and I and I grew up in a place where it had, had a significant Asian population. Mm-hmm. So the concept of race having any effect on your desire, social desirability didn't really cross my mind until a certain point in 10th grade, which I, w- which I will get to later. So like growing up and like you hit puberty in somewhere like sixth or seventh grade, like you're, you're totally oblivious. You're like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I know that I'm Asian. This person is black. This person is white. But it, it just seems kind of as trivial as hair color. Yeah. And then I, I switched to an all-boys school in the, in the middle of high school. Maybe had I stayed in a co-ed environment, I would have seen this kind of like shift in which in which the I guess the the metrics to determine your social status are, are changing as your appeal to the opposite sex becomes more important. Whereas when you were like in grade school, it was kind of like, well, who was good at lunchtime soccer? <laughs> that, right, made you, right, right. that made you the coolest kid if you were good at soccer, at least at, exactly. at, least at my school. Um, so I kind of missed out on that. And when you're with a bunch of guys, you don't have to always, you know, be like, what's the term they use? Like peacocking in front of for girls and right, stuff. Right, so thankfully, right. I was spared that. And somehow I just like fell ass backwards into a girlfriend in senior of high school. <laughs> so the traditional way. <laughs> yeah. So the way it worked for us, at least for most of us in, at the all boys school is there were like a few events every year in which you could meet members of the opposite sex. Mm-hmm, Usually mm-hmm. like a dance or like some yeah, like spring a mixer. fair. Yeah, so <laughs> so you had like three chances out of a year to meet someone. Had literally three strikes and you're out. Uh, and then I, I somehow managed to meet someone and I like got her email and then eventually started talking to her and then asked her out, whatever. Wow. So yeah, I, I went off to college thinking, oh yeah, like this this is, uh, I think I got the hang of this. I got this. Yeah, I got this. <laughs> and I, like for whatever reason, college was like an absolute disaster for me. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I, I, it was for me too, man. Oh, man. I don't know what it is. I I mean, there are definitely some like personal aspects in which you don't really know who you are. So you're like trying on all these different identities because yep. um, yep. you're in college and, and, and college is for, you don't right? know what the hell you are. So there's like yeah. a bit of that. I also think there's what I like to call this like, curse of being an older millennial in which you have this great divergence in it became relatively acceptable to be like an Asian girl, and then you're accepted into the mainstream. And I attribute this to a bunch of things, including like uh, a, a generation that grew up playing Nintendo, reading anime, or watching mm-hmm. anime. Mm-hmm. Even like Harry Potter, in which like Harry right. Potter's first right. love is Cho Chang. But if you're an Asian guy, you're still stuck in the past. Yet, 
we had not become woke enough to actually talk about it. And if you did bring it up, you were just considered a whining loser who couldn't hack it. Exactly. That's my little theory, but whatever I will say. Well, and we were completely invisible, you know, invisible in, in all and, that media. Even even in the Japanese media, it oh, still wasn't really. It was a lot of Asian women. Wait, what do you mean Japanese media? Even in like the anime and stuff, a lot of the Japanese in in anime, the male the men aren't you know they're not really Asian looking. Uh, yeah. Well, like that's isn't that like all of anime? I don't really yeah. know that much anime. Yeah, so. uh, yeah but uh, uh, piggybacking off your point, I think you know there are a lot of Asian women. But not a lot, a lot of Asian men. You know, for in America, the guys who were growing up, you know, watching anime, playing video games, they were exposed to like the Asian girls. But you know, I think almost deliberately, the Asian men were excluded. Yeah, that's true. That's so true. you're creating Probably, that, yeah. creating that feedback. And, and there's like a whole universe of like games and media in Japan that's never really released to the West. That's I true. suspect, like in the marketing, that's probably something. Yeah, it was like deliberately done. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So like, uh, college was was uh, was bad, and then I went I went to Korea for a couple of years afterwards because my parents had moved there uh, uh, okay. while I was in college, and that was a big kind of like uh, an awakening time for me. And you'll you'll hear the same thing from a lot of Asian Americans, especially yeah, like both male and female, but I think especially male. Like the first time you spend significant time in Asia, you realize wow, this is what it's like essentially be raceless, which you don't have to constantly think about and be affected by your race and suffer essentially a penalty for your race-gender mm-hmm. combo. Mm-hmm. So that was like a great time of just kind of like recovering from from all like all that. And then I come back to the US and actually like, but like my real like dating life didn't really take off until dating apps, which I think segues nicely right. into yeah, our, yeah. into what we want to talk about today. And what I found so amazing about these apps were that, like, I remember it, it, this was like in my final year of final semester of college. I found out that a friend of mine had had a had a crush on me for a very long time, and I was thinking like, why didn't I know this? If I knew this like <laughs> like two or three years ago, it would it would have made such a big difference. Right. And and essentially, all these apps were giving me that info instantly. Just like even if you don't even end up talking to this person or or going out with with her just seeing that you match with someone is confirmation that hey just based on like like five pictures and a short bio this person found you you know at least somewhat attractive and yeah 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 and when you don't have a uh, like a ton of experience to fall back on that can be just mind-blowing and especially if they come from all sorts of diverse backgrounds uh whether it's like class or race or whatever to have that information, whereas before you were completely in the dark, and you can't go around asking people, hey, do, no. <laughs> do, like, no, you would can't you go really out with that. someone like me without seeming like a creepy dork? <laughs> well, just yeah, an insecure loser. <laughs> yeah, but to have that uh, information come at you, it was that was just, wow, my world had completely changed. Yeah, I mean, and yeah, and, and with the mobile nature of the apps making it sort of, you know, you could do it anywhere. You didn't have to be sitting at your computer mm-hmm. like the, with like Match.com and, and eHarmony. It really revolutionized it. The, the amount of information, like you're saying, that was at your fingertips. It's, it was, it's freeing because like you said, you can get that validation. You can be like, oh, wow, okay. I mean, this girl finds me attractive enough to say I like you on a very surface level, which can be very affirming. But I think for some guys... They don't get any matches. They get really few. And then it's like even more depressing. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm, 
I'm not gonna. It's not like I'm like drowning in matches. I'm not gonna. No, no, of course not. <laughs> I'm not gonna uh, get to that level. But you know, I, I do okay for myself. And I think the tough thing, but especially because the the only alternative to the apps is you know go out, go out on a weekend, go to a bar or whatever. I think the tough thing about right. that for especially like an Asian guy is you never know who has that kind of bias against you. Yeah. And I think before for these apps, I had a lot of encounters in which. I see someone and then we're like, you know, generally in the same level of maybe attractiveness. We run in the same social circle. We have similar interests. I'm like talking to you. We're having a nice conversation. And then when you try to uh, advance it to, to a more romantic level, then you just get sure. like, the cold shoulder. And then you're like, what the hell happened? I don't get it. And maybe race weren't a factor. You can kind of tell like, oh, based on her interests or based on, yeah. on her, like what, whatever. You, you can get these signals. So you know how to maximize your chances uh, of, of getting a positive response. But I think with with racial biases, you can't see it. And, no, and most people not, yeah. by now are are kind of like polite enough not to be so worried about it. Yeah, they're, so, we're, yeah, we're sophisticated in hiding it. Yeah, so when you, when it just seems to be inexplicable, I think that, that it can get very discouraging. It can, absolutely, because yeah. you're spending all this time and energy and then it goes nowhere and you start questioning. Because you're like, well, I thought it was going great. And then all of a sudden it, it ends very abruptly. Yeah. Like, for, um, ex- for instance, if, if I were like, just say like a normal, uh, I don't, I should, normal, that's not the right word. If I was just like a, like a white guy and I was like a very like jockey, like fratty type of guy. And then I sure. try to go to this, I don't know, like artsy gathering and then like no girls were digging me. I can kind of realize, okay, it's probably because of our similar interests. I better hit up like the sports bar or whatever. Right. And and then maybe you get a more positive response there. So it, everything makes sense. But if you but if you're like an Asian guy, it, it's not like labeled. There's no bar that says every girl who's interested in Asian guys. Well, I guess <laughs> right. if you go to like the circle or whatever. But um, unless, if you want to kind of diversify your your uh, social right your, your, yeah, social yeah, setting, yeah. there's really nothing that can tip you off about that. And the only way no, you can you, find out yeah. is when you get rejected and. When you're young, you don't have a lot of experience. Those rejections can really take a toll on you. Well, and they, yeah, they do. They, they have an outsized impact. And at least, you know, on, 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 on apps like Tinder, I think everyone sort of knows why everyone's there, right? I mean, it's a dating app. And it's... When you say everyone knows they're there, are you saying like by dating or kind of like a one-night stand thing? Well, I meant dating in a, in a broad sense. But also, I, because I also think in the beginning, um, Tinder was mainly for i think you know one light stands and and no strings attached stuff yeah but at least everyone knows that you're there for a dating purpose no if yeah you go for to sure. like a if you go to a bar or you know, maybe you go to like an art gallery show or you you just go to like things out like in the real world and, and in life you don't know that's you don't know necessarily right people could just be there to talk and chat and socialize they're not necessarily there to you know find someone to, to hook up with or potentially date but yeah. with the apps, you cut right to, you know, everyone's here for the same thing, right? So it's like, you don't have to wonder if you match and then you're talking like what you're sort of getting at. Like, so like the old way, I guess, is there's so many things that had to had to click right. Because is this like first, you have, is this person uh, like available in the in the first thing? Because there's a lot of right, people who right. are just out and they're in serious relationships. Um, is this person interested in me? Can I can I hold their interest in a conversation? And like, what are we looking for both? And, and that's like, in the course of a night, you might meet at most, what, 
like single like on one hand like if, if you're really yeah. trying hard that you could meet that uh, amount of people in one hand um and not all like all, all of them could also be you know taken or whatever yeah it, it, there's this kind of remarkable i don't want to say efficiency because it, it makes it, it makes everything sound so cool <laughs> Yeah, you, you just think about it, it's like, wow, how, how did people... See, this the thing that really, really makes me just, just blows my mind is, what if you were like in like high school and you were doing this? Yeah, that's... Oh um, my God, I can't even imagine that. Yeah, I can't oh. imagine. Well, because then you there's so much more mobility. You know, I think because communities are not just like your town and the few towns around you, right? Now it's like everyone within... The half hour or twenty five to fifty pa- miles, whatever you yeah, set your range to, and 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 how far your parents will drive you <laughs> on a date, right? <laughs> because you're, if you're in high school, I presume that you're not necessarily driving uh, on your own, depending on the, the laws of your state. Yeah, no, but but I also feel like um, you know there the social there are these sociological studies happening now uh, on um, you know adolescents that are growing up with just the internet and, and smartphones. And they're actually not happier because of the the apps, like of these social apps. They're 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 more isolated. They don't actually meet their friends in person nearly as much, um, and they're really depressed and sad because they just don't have that connection. And it's almost the social media that was meant to bring us together isn't doing that as much as Tinder's opened up the the market, so to speak, and allows you to meet so many more people and cut to the quick it's it also reinforces a lot of the social forces that are out there already because you know you there are a lot of studies that are done on response rates and broken down by gender and race of, of both people and everything and all of and everything that we've experienced right in our dating lives of damn you know there is sort of a handicap for asian dudes is borne out by the data <laughs> mm-hmm yeah. So true. It, this, so so the so the apps aren't like this panacea. That they're gonna solve the problem of of dating. It's almost like shining a light in you know on onto what we already knew was true, and almost amplifying some of those tendencies. Because people can filter. You can filter all of your matches based on your preferences. So you don't even need to pretend anymore. Yeah, there was a recent study that came out that showed that these apps are making this incredibly fundamental change to the way we interact in our romantic relationships because yeah. before it was yeah. mainly you meet people through your friends maybe through work but now your, fam- your family your family yeah but now it's like more than ever people are meeting up with people that they have absolutely no connection with except maybe you know proximity <laughs> the thing that makes me wonder about this is is this going to exacerbate the current biases and inequalities or will this help bridge some of that because i think just going from my personal experience in which before i had really no idea if like like generally speaking if non-asian women found me attractive because Mm -hmm. everything in the culture said kind of no and while there were some instances in which i i had seen positive indications like you can't go up to people and ask them that kind of stuff (laughs) because <laughs> it's very rude. well yeah <laughs> yeah you can't be like hey so do, it's you have the- a, do you have an implicit bias against <laughs> that's not a good first that's not a good uh, uh icebreaker yeah so when when, you, when when on these apps if you start getting matches from all sorts of different kinds of women you mm. you realize okay it's like, not completely impossible yeah there's uh, people are more open-minded than i thought and i think that has 
been a big help to me. Yet on the other hand, if you have certain groups that have more options than other groups, and now they're mm-hmm. exposed to this almost like this total free market of right. of, uh, of relationships and hookups or whatever. You know, you, you look at the like the history of if you just look at the history of economics, what happens when you just open up <laughs> everything? Yeah, yeah, no, but yeah. the, the rich get richer, right? Um, so mm-hmm. th- I think that's going to be a very interesting um, next maybe a few decades to see how this all pans out. And that, I, that's th- yeah, that's I thing, want right? to think that <laughs> it will help narrow the divides, but I can't say that for sure. Yeah, I don't know if anyone knows for sure. And if, the, if yeah. anyone told you they do, then they're lying. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it, 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 you're right. It's an experiment. And the way that technology has come into our lives so deeply uh, in something fundamental like dating, we're doing... We're doing a decades-long uh, experiment on ourselves with no idea what we're doing, because <laughs> you know the guys that the guys that created Tinder had no broader social, <laughs> you know, uh, thought in their mind yeah. when they were creating it. Right? They were just like, I want to. They were probably like, I want to, I want to date more women, mm-hmm. and we're going to create this app for myself. And if I can, you know, make money at it, then that, I guess that's icing on the cake. But they they had no social like drive to do, you know larger social drive for creating it yeah um, i know that bumble who's founded by some female uh some some women uh, who yeah she was part tinder. of the the tinder team yeah 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 she she's one of like the founders. she's one of the team. co-founders yeah 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 of course yeah, i think um, they they just like totally erased her name pushed her out, from the yeah. history because they're Absolutely. all douchebags <laughs> Well, that's, I mean, that's what I'm talking about. They didn't have any social uh, thought in their head when they were creating it. But and, and I think that she thinks she does. I don't know whether it's actually going to come to any fruition. But what? At least Bumble. Yeah, I think she she thought she thinks that she's creating it. You know, it's a it's a dating app for women by women to somehow like change the paradigm. I'm not as familiar with Bumble and how it works because by the time it came popular, I was you know I, I wasn't dating. Um, uh, you know, I was off the market. One of the things we wanted to talk about was just kind of, I guess, quick give a quick run through of all the apps. I guess we can start with Bumble. I will say, from my experience, Bumble is not not that great. I've only met up yeah. with one person uh, through Bumble, and it actually turned out to be a pretty good kind of like a I wouldn't call it a relationship because it, it didn't last that long, but it was a very positive experience. But Bumble, from what I've read, the problem is women are still socialized to not want to make the first move. Right. Um. So. I, uh, from what I've read, a lot of guys will complain because uh, for those of you who don't know Bumble, the only way that two people who match can talk to each other is if the woman messages the guy first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And apparently it's still pretty uncommon for women to message the guy. And and they know the app works that way, by the way. And that's the whole, <laughs> it's not like the, that's the whole not unique selling point of the app. Well, and I get it. I get it because, you know, women are frustrated or, you know, they get harassed. They'll match with somebody and then they can't get the guy to shut up. Yeah, or they get so all this these was supposed awful, to awful messages. So I get why they built it that yeah, way. Yeah, and they and they built that especially to circumvent that. Absolutely, but and it seems to be working because no one's talking. <laughs> <laughs> so like Bumble, uh, I would say there's not that much to talk about Bumble. Tinder, I think Tinder. What I like about Tinder is you will meet a lot of very a lot of people who you probably wouldn't meet otherwise on tinder because there's really nothing the only thing that tinder filters out for is uh proximity yeah yeah so the most the the kind of people i've dated on tinder are the people who i probably would not have met anyway otherwise because 
were like, like, like our social circles would not overlap at all. And right, this right. is probably likely not the kind of person who would, whom You'd I would see at my at my usual yeah. go out at night places. Sure. I think that's what's really good about Tinder, and also kind of what, what might be a little bad about Tinder because it's such a scatter shot. Yeah, it's it's a shotgun for sure. It's not a not a surgical. And then the other one that I use a lot is Coffee Meets Bagel, which kind of has the opposite problem in which it's mm-hmm. very narrowly targeted. You can filter for all sorts of things, religion, race, height, um, yeah, education yeah. level, I think. I'm you not can, sure. Yeah. So that can be positive in that you will find more people whom you just have like a natural comfort with just because they're essentially part of your same like mm-hmm. like tribal group. Right, um, but you just didn't cross paths yeah but but then you will meet a lot more people whom you like you could see yourself meeting in your kind of why like if you're friends to a party like this is the type of person who would be like a friend of a friend who would be there sure sure i I asked you this before about uh uh, like the tinder everyone knows what's on tinder for Mm because tinder has a reputation for being just like the sleazy one night stand out, whereas all the other apps are more for serious relationships. Honestly, I have not found that distinction to hold up that much. I've met people on like the non-Tinder apps who are just like down for like one night stand. Yeah, yeah. And I've had like a serious relationship off of Tinder. Maybe that's just me. I'm not sure. Uh, no, no. I, well, no, I, I think when Tinder first came out, it was very obvious. You know, it was the, by the name alone. I think Tinder sort of engenders this quick, you know, it's like fire and quick burning and it's it's meant for that kind of thing that i think that reputation was well founded for a while but i think tinder's evolving uh it's been out for what how many years now like yeah tin- tinder's old four now. Or five, <laughs> right four or five years it's tinder's still the, the grandfather it's yeah like the it grandfather is it's sort of the grandfather of the, of the whole dating app thing but like it, it's evolved and, and i still think some people use it in the way that it was popular initially but i did but you're right like you're not the only one that i know that has entered a, a serious relationship through Tinder and people are sort of just using it in their gamut of, uh, you know, in their collection of apps. Coffee Meets Bagel was always initially, I think, geared more towards relationships, like finding a person that you could be with for longer, more more serious, more real, quote unquote. And, because, and, and all the filters and the things that you mentioned go towards that, like you said, where you're going to find someone who you're probably going to have a lot more in common with um, than just a scattershot of Tinder. You can meet anybody in the, you know, 30 mile radius. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. But, yeah, I mean, with Coffee Meets Bagel, you definitely meet people who, you know, you're like, you know, it, it happened, you know, the, the one night stand stuff happens there as well. Because um, that's just because people are going to use it for what they want to use it for. Uh, and no one's using just one. You know, people use like three or four of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is just kind of crazy. Uh, three or four, uh, I guess you know. that's... Uh, I don't even know if there are three or four ones with enough users that would make it worth your while. Because I think bigger ones are, are Tinder. I think OkCupid has an app, but uh, OkCupid, uh, I always had the sense that it, it was too much of a headache to use because there was so many like, questions you have to fill out and whatever. Yeah, so. yeah. It- <laughs> You know, uh, OkCupid, well, talking about Tinder being the old one, you know, OkCupid was around as a website, like Match.com's kind of thing, longer than, you know, Tinder was. And then they made an app just because that's what you do. And yeah, you're right. With all those questions, like they have a match percentage and everything, it's all bullshit. 
No yeah, one cares that, that about, match percentage. Just, yeah, it's like no one cares that you like the same book. I don't like the idea. Like, I barely like the idea of Coffee Meets Bagel having so many filters. The idea of you have like, right, you're an absolutely. 87% match with this person, like an algorithm telling me how much. And then they like, never. Yeah. And yeah, because it, it, you think, oh, yeah, you know, we're 95% match. We like all the same things. And we think that we're cute enough to like match up and whatever. And then no one ever talks to one another. <laughs> so you're like what does this percentage mean yeah um so it, it's just you know it it's it's a, it's an interesting phenomenon um but yeah uh we'll, we'll, i think yeah. this is something i should say out for all the asian guys i you probably ran into this uh before too but if you're an asian guy and you're using these apps your matches will probably be disproportionately asian that's gonna happen to, yeah, 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 to that's all true. i think like don't let it bother you i guess it's like but that's just something that's just the reality of the of the rules that we're currently working with. Yeah. Um yeah. like when, when I when I use Tinder, they're like let's say like out of a hundred like profiles I see, maybe like ten of them are Asian. And I have a better like match rate with them than like the ninety sure. of the yeah. non Asian. So like obviously like you use these apps enough, you like it's it's gonna strike you pretty obvious that there's some kind of bias going on it does and that's that's how it is and like don't don't just completely accept it as uh like don't just roll over and say oh this is totally acceptable not that i'm trying to say that it's bad to match up with asian women like i love i love i love asian women so (laughs) like like, no hate no hate going there but it is it is kind of stark when you realize just like how how better your response rates are and then these are just some of the things you have to anticipate beforehand so that uh when, when it does happen to you you're, you're not like freaking out like what why is this right. happening oh my god is is there racism yeah. out there in the world yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my god what i thought we elected a black president racism is gone <laughs> no, yeah but like you're like you're saying Oxford, uh, like being being aware that it's going to happen before it happens uh, prepares you for prepares you for it and just because it's going to be out there and it might be harder for you doesn't mean that you can't put yourself out there and talk to the non-Asian women, right? Or or, or, yeah, or, yeah. or like say you like them or reach out. Like you have to do that anyway to get any woman. <laughs> so you mm-hmm. might as well do it for anyone that you find attractive and just know that your success rate or your response rate is going to be lower. Try. Don't let that discourage you at all. You know, go for who you're attracted to, like, and don't let the reality of the social situation or our society stop you from doing it. Because if you do, if you do let that stop you, it won't ever change. <laughs> so yeah, you got to go for it. And I think, and and I think that's like the biggest thing. Like a piece of advice. Like if I had to give a piece of advice, it's that you have to put yourself out there. You have to try. Obviously, there are better ways and worse ways of doing that. But for me. I always like had psyched myself out my whole life when it came to uh, dating and not, mm-hmm. not just because I was an Asian dude and whatever, just in general, the moment that I got in the, in, in, got in the habit of putting myself out there and getting past my fear um, was when things actually started happening. When I actually started yeah. having good conversations when I started getting dates and all that stuff. So that's like the biggest piece of advice if I had to give someone a piece of advice. And, and obviously, I think later on in like other pods, we'll get into some more 
like concrete, you know, do's, don'ts sort of things. But that's the general tip. The weird thing is I think of myself maybe like 10 or, or like years ago and I would be so sensitive to everything. Yeah. Whereas now I could just go up to someone and, you know, try to talk, talk her up. And if she's not percept- uh, like receptive, I'm like, well, whatever. Yeah. And it like doesn't affect me one bit. And part of me almost misses <laughs> <laughs> the nervous that energy. Old me, the nervous energy. That old me in which like one nice smile could just like totally make your your whole week. <laughs> right. And I wonder like now is it because I'm more mature or is it just cuz my heart has just turned to stone? <laughs> no. No, you don't you have a heart. You have a soft heart, Oscar. Come on. I think um, I, but, but I think that resiliency and that thicker skin uh is is a positive because you know, if you're going to take every rejection to heart and and be devastated what are you gonna do <laughs> like, yeah but the but the you know, tough thing is that thick skin has to come from like a history of some success it, it does it does so it becomes a chicken and egg scenario yeah. and you can't tell someone who's like at totally new to this like just be confident because like no 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 confidence you know what confidence without absolutely any basis is called? It's called delusion. Right, right. Okay? No, no, no. A- absolutely. <laughs> that's, like, absolutely. that's like Donald Trump talking about how great he right. is based on absolutely no evidence. No, ab- no abs- you're absolutely right. You're absolutely so, right. you have to, yeah, it's like you got, you got to go step by step, right? You can't just like go for the grand slam right away. But you have to build you do. some, you have to see that they're, they're, you can do this. Yeah. And, and, and gradually over like, years and stuff over get years to the point where, and, and and you know many many conversations and yeah and then you, you'll you get know. to the point where it can't affect you anymore but you can't go from like zero to a hundred no, absolutely right not away. and that's what that's what some of these bad advice people tell you like just be confident or just like approach a thousand people in a week or something like that. A- anytime what if you get yeah. a thousand rejections yeah. with absolute with nothing to build that on that's not gonna be you're not good. gonna you're not gonna learn anything and you're not doing it right like yeah you just all, become yeah scared or angry or resentful or something that's that's no good you know yeah it's not it's not like getting over your over a phobia of spiders where you just expose yourself mm-hmm. to spiders right and, and i don't and even know if that works i don't know i don't know i, I don't know i'm just saying that like, i've seen that those idea. episodes on maury who, who by the way is i think the worst maury person in the world yeah worst person. like yeah. maury has no redeeming qualities whatsoever no he he feasts upon people's misery <laughs> he does and humiliation <laughs> he makes millions anyway. of dollars at it <laughs> But yeah, those episodes where like I'm afraid of cotton balls or, or turtles or whatever, and then they, they, like, they like drop a thousand cotton balls or a thousand turtles right, in that person. Right. I don't think that really well, helps. It probably doesn't help, but I'm saying it definitely will not help with dating. <laughs> and you're absolutely right. Yeah. So you can't go to zero. To, you can't go to zero to a hundred and measure yourself. Yeah. You know, in in that way, especially have if you have no experience. It's like if you were like, you know, the first time you play soccer, if you're not as good as Messi, you're a failure. Right, like that's mm, that's just yeah. stupid. That, that's not any sort of <laughs> way to think about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like and, and you know, going back to talking about the apps and like, like what are the alternatives? You know, in this day and age, like well, really, there's well, I guess you could go to any kind of social gathering. I mean, like the stereotype is like the bar on a you know Saturday mm-hmm. night, but mm-hmm. it could be anything. It could be um, like you go to like a like a, a fair or like yeah, a literary to, reading yeah. or or like a comic like show or something and, and anything finding yeah. people there 
And I mean, that's something I've tried to do more just because if you have a, a type of interest mm-hmm. and you want to meet someone who shares that interest, chances are if you go to that event, people are there that are interested about in that it, interest. Right? Yeah. yeah. And then even if you don't meet someone whom you want to date, you could always make a friend. You know, I've made friends there and it's always good to have friends. And who knows, maybe that friend has single friends, whatever. Well, and that because that, that that's the old traditional way, right? That's the old traditional way, and other than family, which and is then there, but yeah, yeah, and it makes me wonder when you have to meet people through your social groups or your pre-existing social groups. There's so many limitations to that, yeah. Which I think that that study about apps, I think it was, I didn't read it, but I I saw snippets of it. I think it was hopeful. It was thinking that. Yeah. This could break down a lot of the old established barriers um, that are set. Because if you, if you like, most of my friends are say from college, and college tends to isolate you with a certain class, certain political affiliation, sure. and um, maybe even a certain type of race or ethnicity. And and if you limit yourself to that group, that's probably not good. What's the uh, assertive dating or mating, which? Some people have theorized is a cause of uh, wealth inequality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you have a bunch of like elite college graduates mating with other elite college graduates. Well, yeah, you're just going to uh, get richer you, you, and richer, yeah. aren't you? So if you think of um, these dating apps as breaking through some of that, because if, if, if you don't meet your future wife or husband in college, you meet them through Tinder when you're like, in your late 20s and that person happens to be totally different from you in terms of all sorts of demographic stats you know that that's a cure for you know that that kind of um tiering of society yeah for sure and i think in that same article they were saying that um the the uh the marriages that were of people who met through dating apps uh has have much lower instances of divorce than Hmm, than others which was a little surprising to me to be honest but what's um, the oldest marriage marriage like on average what do you think because like tinder came onto the scene what i will say maybe as early as maybe 2011 2012 that Um, sounds right so if you got married let's say in your like late 20s early 30s then you're like okay like like divorces if they're gonna be divorces they're probably there could be a lot later that's all i'm saying it's still too early to say that yeah, that, app-based that, marriages are that's superior. To- no, I'm not saying they're superior. It was just an interesting finding that of the of the marriages that have happened in the you know six or seven years that uh, mm-hmm. Tinder has been out. It seems like they're quote unquote stronger or, or less likely yeah. to get uh, you know end in divorce. Um, oh, but that kind of reminds me of things I want to say, especially to kind of like college aged Asian guys, because this is kind of what I thought when I was in that age. Like you're, this is not your last chance to meet people. Okay? Yeah, not at all. <laughs> there is a whole world. Like college is is summer camp. Okay, like they, you don't really know what's out there in the quote unquote real world. So you think like, ah, oh, my my life's over, or I'm just gonna be working all day. I'm not gonna meet people. Look, look, junior. <laughs> college is is a playpen. Okay, it's it, is. it. There's a whole world out there, and especially, and I'm talking about this was before like apps and all that now in this world don't worry if you don't meet someone in your like four years which is like like a blip in your life i know it it seems like it can seem as though this is such a big uh like milestone in your life and it is but there's a there's a whole world out there so don't don't fret if you if you um if you're like uh mark and me in which maybe college wasn't that great there's 
so much more out there and you're going to have so many more adventures and opportunities. So Absolutely. You know, keep your head up. Absolutely. It's, it's just the beginning once you graduate college. <laughs> it is really just the beginning. Uh, but remember what it was like when you were kind of like in your early 20s? And you're oh, like, yeah. What, what, the, what the hell is out there? I don't know. <laughs> you know, it was, it's funny, though. I, I always um, I was always ready for the next step. So like in high school, I was like, oh, I can't wait to get out of high school. I really oh, yeah, want to go to college. Yeah. And then like when I was in college, I like, can't wait to get out of college and, and working again, you know, and working and, and being out of the house. So like, you know. Yeah, but the thing is, there's like after college, you don't know what's coming next, especially if you don't have a job lined oh, up, yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. like me. You And you weren't in like, if you were like, say, pre-med and like you know what you're coming next, if you're going straight out to sure. grad school. You know what's coming next, but if you don't know, it's like that's fucking scary. <laughs> oh no, it's a it's a bigger leap. I mean, it's much bigger leap going from uh, college to you know not co- you know out to the real world, so to speak, where you got to work, fr- than high school to college, right? I mean, it's going from one a small playpen to a bigger playpen, and then when you're going out from college out of college, um, and and you're not like on that track, like you said, like to grad schools. Then yeah, then you're out in the ocean. Yeah, you're, you're like going. You're, <laughs> you're going from there. the. You're not going to a playpen. The, the, you know, the nets are gone. The the guardrails are off. The training wheels are gone. You're like going gone. from like an Olympic sized pool there. to the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> Absolutely, but that's also exciting. No, it's right? very exciting. I mean, I think very it's exciting. It's an opportunity. You should relish it. It's a huge opportunity. You should relish it. And um, yeah, it, it even even though there are uh, headwinds uh, blowing towards you and trying to you know slow you down. There, it's just really exciting. You know, there are just so many people out there. It's easy for, I think it's easy for me to say because I've been through some things, but even the, the bad experiences are something to, obviously you don't want them, but you're going to have them and you just try to learn. It's, it builds character. And so just don't, don't be afraid to fail. Yeah. In some perverse masochistic way, those painful moments when you're older, you will, cherish them in some weird way <laughs> well i cherish them because of the lessons they for sure for sure about you know as, as 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 important as it is to know what you want in a positive way of like you know characteristics and things of of, of your partner or your future partner it's also good to know uh, the things to avoid things you definitely that's don't. what you have to start with there's no way like if you if you're yeah. like a young guy and you say i definitely know what you want i call bullshit you don't know what the fuck you want <laughs> no you, you think you know what you want but you like watch too many movies or some some shit like <laughs> well yeah and especially if you're really young and you don't have a lot of experience and you haven't met many people mm-hmm. how do you even know what's yeah. out there you haven't experienced it so yeah like you 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 watch some tv shows and movies and <laughs> you think you know what you want yeah that's that's, that's <laughs> absolutely do not take Romantic lessons from the movies or TV shows. Please do not do that. Oh, God, no. Please. <laughs> or <laughs> they're the worst place. Or maybe, to learn maybe they're like a few good ones, but you're like kind of like mainstream romantic comedies. Like, do not take notes from that garbage. <laughs> like, J- John Cusack is, is cool and all, but uh, don't do anything he does in any romantic comedies. And <laughs> Remember, there's thing. a script, okay? <laughs> the reason she <laughs> reacts the way she does is because the script says so. <laughs> it's because it's written that way. Don't stand outside someone's window with a boombox all night. Mm, Don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> Won't work. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think we're approaching an hour, so this is probably a good time to... Yeah. yeah. And as we said, we we want this to be a foundational episode, and we'll build on it. We'll have other people on. We'll have women on. 
and it'll go from here. But I think this is an important topic that is not adequately and properly discussed in kind of mainstream consciousness. So yeah, we're here at Plan A. We we want to fix that. We do. All right. Good talk to you, Mark. All right. You uh, what are you? Twenty-five. I'm forty. Holy shit, man! You got to get on that. Life isn't about sex. Life is about children, passion, and spirit. Yeah, it's life's about passion. It's not about fucking and balls and pussy. It's about love. It's about people. It's about connection. It's all about connection. It's not about tossing salad. It's not about cock and ass and tits、mm-hmm. and butthole pleasures. It's not about butthole pleasures at all. It's not about your rusty trombone and your dirty Sanchez. It's not about rainbow showers and camel toe slime and your Cincinnati bow tie, your ribbon goggles and your hot car and your pearl necklace or pussy juice cocktails and your jagged head dildos and your double decker pussies. Okay, I you know double pussies and your shit stained balls and cum swapping and your hanging brain. Stir up the rattlesnake wiggle and the alligator fuck house, donkey punch or the tea bagging. Louis, just please stop. Just relax. That's enough. Party's over.